this morning, starting a new discipleship series. Amen. We want Brother Miller to get ready to come. I'll take up our Sunday school uh, discipleship. Amen. Got to get used to that, man. 50 years, you know, you 65 years, you're used to just hearing Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. And now, you know, we're discipleship. Amen. So God bless you this morning. Amen. God, we love you. Truly appreciate your goodness, your mercy towards us, Lord. I'm so thankful, God, that your word is ever established in the heavens above and the earth beneath, Lord. And I thank you that your promises are always yea and amen. Father, there's nothing impossible for you to do, Lord. And I pray for those that are listening this morning, O God, that as Brother Miller teached, Lord, that they would have ears to hear and a heart to receive your word, Lord, that they can run this race with patience, continue looking into you who are the author and the finish of our faith. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. God bless Brother Miller. Praise the Lord, everyone. As always, it's good to be in the house of God. So we completed our series of putting life back into perspectives. And my question to you is, has anyone found any of that to be helpful in your life? Because like I told you before, I know it's it's definitely helped me. It's just it's awesome. You know, I was talking to Brother Brother Rapich a couple of weeks ago, but you know, just to be able to hear from the Lord, I I really value that. When I can't hear from God, you know, that tells me that there's probably a problem. And most likely it lies with me. So I always have to step, take a step back sometimes and examine and say, okay, Lord, am I in position? Am I where I'm supposed to be so I can hear your voice clearly? Are you trying to tell me something? Amen. Because I don't want to miss what God has for me. Amen. So we are starting a new series. And this is nothing new. The things that we'll be talking about um, to most people, those of us who have been in church for a while, um, you have heard a lot of these things, a lot of the scriptures that we'll be talking about. You've heard this before, I'm sure. Uh, but it is, I just believe that this is important. And every now and then it's good to go back to some of the basics and revisit. Amen. Sometimes we just need a reminder. And so we're going to talk about the power of Christian witnessing. I know it's a little bit difficult to read up there. Um, but the power of Christian witnessing is what we'll be talking about. And um, most of you can probably already tell looking, from that, looking at that picture that that is someone swearing to the oath when you're taking... The witness stand. So we'll talk about um, what it means to be a witness next week. But today we're going to focus on, as we're talking about the power of Christian witnessing, we're going to start off talking about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the overall theme scripture 
that I want to use. So if we can go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I encourage you to bring your Bibles. Because sometimes we may have technological difficulties. And so you may not always have the luxury of seeing the scripture on the screen. Amen. All right. There's a reason why I'm saying this. So Acts chapter one, verse eight. Every one of us have heard this before. We've been in church for a while. Again, it's nothing new. Jesus says, but you shall receive power, right? Just saying that word power does something. When you repeat that word power, it just, it causes something to, to, to rise within you. He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So what precedes the power? The Holy Ghost, right? Shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. What you witnessing about? Jesus, right? He says you'll be witnesses unto me. In other words, every time you go and you tell your story, you tell your testimony, you tell about the good news, you're sharing information about God with others, you're doing it unto Christ. Because that's the ultimate goal is to draw souls to Christ. Amen? So he says, witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. We started with Jerusalem because that was the capital. That was the place where you went to the temple. That was like the key point. For all the Israelites. So he says, you're going to be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. He starts with there and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So if there was any confusion, Jesus clarified it right here. It doesn't just stop with Jerusalem. But just so you know, because they asked him earlier, it says, hey, is the kingdom going to come back to Israel? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to have the dynasty that we used to have before? How's this going to work now? You, you, you know, you came, you rose. We see the scriptures fulfilled. So where's the manifestation of everything that we thought was coming? He says it's not for you to know the time and seasons that the Father has in his plan. But understand what you what you need is power. I'm going to give you power, and then you're going to be witnesses unto me. He already told them before that my kingdom is not of this world y'all looking for an earthly kingdom but my kingdom is in heaven amen so he already clarified that before he says but i'm going to give you power you're looking for me to be your ruler on earth but understand i'm not leaving you comfortless you're going to receive power after that the holy ghost is come upon you i was your crutch for a while so you didn't have to exercise faith but now that i'm leaving you're going to have to exercise that faith that I was talking about before. I'm going to give you the power to do the things that I said that I wanted you to do. Amen. And that's why he told him in the scripture before. He says, these things uh, and greater things shall ye do in my name. Why? Because I'm going to give you power to do that. Right. You shall receive power after the, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, or in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Right. So, 
obviously what Jesus was telling the disciples, it didn't just stop with them. But as we see through the book of Acts, as you continue to look through there and it, as it unfolds, we see that more and more were added. And that same thing that Jesus expected of the disciples, he expects of all those who follow. Remember what he told the disciples? He said, I'm not only praying for you, but those who are gained by the things that you do or the word that you speak. All those things that you go and carry out from what I'm empowering you to do. I'm praying for those two who are won by you. Amen. So guess what? That's us. Y'all believe that? Okay. Just checking to see if y'all with me. Power of Christian witnessing. So turn to your neighbor and say, this applies to you. Oh, come on now. Talk to your neighbor. This applies to you. Thank you. Perhaps this is one of the, we ain't going to talk about it right now, but this is probably one of the reasons why we don't do what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ, because we don't hold one another accountable. Well, Jesus, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Somebody said Christ-like. What else? To be a follower of Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? What's that? To know the word of God. All right. All right. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Knowing is having a relationship, not just having a mental knowledge. Right. Be a reflection of Jesus Christ. I heard that representative an ambassador. Right. To be a Christian. Well, I'm glad y'all all said that. That means we are already on one accord about the definition of a Christian. A Christian is a direct reflection of Jesus Christ. The word Christ is a combination of the Hebrew word Messiah and the Greek word anoint. Now, the word Christ is defined as the anointed one of God. This is actually in the dictionary, the anointed one of God. So, to be anointed is to be officially or formally chosen to do or to be something. I'm going to read that again. To be anointed is to be officially or formally chosen to do or to be something. You remember what I talked about before about the power of attorney? Which allows you or enables you to act on someone else's behalf, right? To be anointed is to be officially or formally chosen to do or to be something. Therefore, to be a Christian is to be anointed officially chosen by God to reflect the image of Christ. John 15:16 Jesus tells the disciples in this passage of scripture he says you have not chosen me right but I have chosen you. But look what else he says and ordained you Isn't it interesting sometimes how some folks can proclaim to be a Christian and then expect to live the life they want to live as a Christian and it be okay with Jesus Christ? You didn't choose me. I chose you. 
you got this thing twisted. And ordained you. I ordained you to be who you say you are. Amen? And because I've chosen you and because I have ordained you, I enables you to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 1? He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He stays in it, right? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, right? That bringeth forth his fruit in the season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? prosper that tree is not going to be removed the fruits are not going to be removed and in fact the leaf is not even going to be removed winds will blow storms will come but it doesn't matter the tree will still stand and everything that's on it will still remain now that's powerful you are supposed to be that tree all of us who say we are followers of christ right We're supposed to be that tree because we've been chosen, we've been ordained to go out and bring fruit, and the fruit that we produce is supposed to remain. Amen? God don't want no dead fruit, molded fruit, rotten fruit. Well, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. I've ordained you. I've enabled you to be able to carry out the work that I'm calling you to do. And you're going to have a relationship with God such that when you ask for things, he's going to give it to you. He's going to grant it to you because of the relationship that you have. Amen. First Peter two and nine. What does it say? Ye are a chosen generation. Tell your neighbor that applies to us. All right. Oh, we're going to talk about it, (laughs) y'all. But ye are a chosen generation. Jesus, help me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar People, listen, brothers and sisters, it was never the end thing to be a Christian. Society never accepted that as this was the next fad to be a Christian. Now, I'm talking about a true Christian. I'm not talking about entertainment Christian. I'm not talking about, you know, being a fraud Look the part, but you act a different way. Society has never embraced the idea of Christianity. Look at history, and you will find that there were tons of Christians who were persecuted. It didn't just start today. So what we're reading about in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it ain't anyways no time. Folks was in prison just for speaking the name of Jesus Christ. 
So it wasn't one of those popular things. But guess what? People were drawn to it because it made a difference in their life. So if you ever think that you can try to fit in with the world and still be a Christian, you got the wrong idea. Jesus already told us, the world rejected me. So if you're a follower of me, guess what they're going to do to you? You're going to get rejected too. This is one of the biggest mistakes, and it's very sad. It's very disheartening when you find folks, even in the Christian genre of music, trying to gain the approval of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it will never happen. Because you can't be in the world and be a friend of Christ. Well, we trying to reach the world. No, you trying to join the world so you can get affirmation. You're looking in the wrong place. The world don't love you. They applaud because you got, you know, you got your little fancy stuff going on. You got money, you know, and you got the prestige of being famous and popular entertainment industry. But really, when you ain't got no money, we don't know you. We don't even acknowledge you. The world don't love you. They can't give you something they don't have. Love comes from God. Amen? Why y'all looking at me like I'm strange? I am. Bible says I'm a peculiar people, so I'm strange. But I shouldn't be strange to you. Right? We know who we are. What that song from Israel Holden says, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm not confused. He says, your chosen generation, the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one point you were living in ignorance, but guess what? Now that he's called me out, he's exposed things and he's shown me who he's called me to be. Here I am. I know who I am. I'm not confused anymore. So it might be strange to you, but I'm okay with who God has made me. Amen? I'm not ashamed to be a child of God. I love it. You cannot become a Christian without Christ. Christianity begins with total submission to Jesus, who is the Christ. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 He says, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." As we continue to proceed through this lesson, there may be some scriptures that I'm just referencing or or, or speak out. You know, feel free to write those scriptures down because we won't have time to stop at every scripture. Amen. But when you go back and you reflect on these scriptures, like I said, it's nothing new. The scriptures have been there. I'm sure you've read them already before. But as we look at being a Christian witness, these these are some important passages of scripture. You cannot become a Christian without Christ. People trying to self-qualify themselves as a Christian because I attend a church regularly. 
I, you know, that term that people use, being faithful. He's faithful. He's being faithful. Why? Because you come every Sunday? Our definition of faithful and God's definition is two different things. Just because you show up don't mean you're faithful. This is one of the most challenging things, especially when you're talking about being a pastor, because you understand as a leader, I'm not just looking for people to show up. I'm not interested in just filling pews. I'm not interested in trying to make money off your ties. I'm caring about your soul. Amen. Being faithful takes a whole lot more than just. You know, you throw you you religious and giving your tithes. That's great. That's that's honorable. It's in line with the scripture. But where's your heart? What did the scripture say? They honor me with their lips. Wouldn't it be a shame? We said this before, but wouldn't it be a shame to, you know, go through all this and you you ain't (laughs) Lord, you don't even want to come to church half the time. You showing up. Because you think, you know, it's going to meet the approval of other people, but you don't even want to be here. You giving your tithes, but you complaining when you pinching your your pennies trying to give. Well, what's exactly 10%? I made $20, $2 on the dot. Wait, hold on. I made $19.99, so that's carry the one, two. That's less than $20 or $2. Right? So wouldn't it be a shame you go through all of that and then you stand before God and God says, depart from me. I never knew you. What? What you mean you never knew me, Lord? Remember when I came over your house? I even left donations. Remember all those tithes, envelopes? Them offerings? And people was asking for money. They was begging. And I helped them out. They needed church windows. I helped them. That don't count for nothing. I'm by no means diminishing the importance of giving, offering, and tithes. But at the end of the day, if if your heart is not connected to God, it means nothing. Nothing. You'll hear the scripture again, I'm sure, but this scripture, the scripture that talks about only what you do for Christ will last. You ever take the time to really consider what that means? Well, when you give your tithes, are you giving it for the cause of Christ, to glorify Christ? Or are you giving it to try to check the block? Only what you do for Christ will last. Some of us, some of us in here, we in relationships. The way you interact with your wife, are you doing it to glorify Christ? Is Christ pleased with how you interact with your spouse? Only what you do for Christ will last. It's tough teaching some of these lessons, y'all, because I, you know, I'm a young guy. You know, I'm not saying nobody else in here is old. I'm just saying I'm young. And uh, and so a lot of stuff I end up addressing, <laughs> a lot of stuff I end up addressing, I, you know, if I'm stepping on your toes, please understand, I love you. 
I have no cameras set up in your homes or in your cars or wherever else you go in your life. Amen. But the, but the wonderful thing about this is that God loves you so much. He knows your address. I'm not sitting here, you know, a lot of times I'm sitting here studying. I'm just excited about the Word of God. I'm not thinking, well, Sister Sonia, show could use this part. Yeah, we're going to put this on here. Got Sister Sonia's name right here next to the notes in the bubble. I don't do that. In fact, if anything, I'm just looking at the Word of God like, okay, Lord, thank you. Yeah, I need to go ahead and tighten up, tighten up on this one. I start examining how I interact with my kids and how I interact with my wife. Amen? I'm being real with y'all. But only what you do for Christ will last. So that means everything we do, in fact, the scripture says, and everything you do in word or deed, do all in... Well, I love how the scripture just... You ain't got no room for excuse. It makes it plain for us. Only what you do for Christ will last. In Luke, but in Luke 9, 23, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Please understand this. And this is one of the things I love to tell people when they first get baptized. Understand and Paul clarifies, and we'll read the scripture. Excuse me, the scripture in a little bit. We may not even have time for everything. I, I, you know, I try, y'all. But I love to tell folks who are first baptized: Listen, enjoy this moment. What you're feeling, what you're experiencing, enjoy that. But just as sure as you walk out the door, you need to be cautious. You need to be careful. Because the enemy is, is surely waiting to rob you of what God has just done for you. I, you know, it's something that I just learned to do because you get a lot of folks that, you know, they go through that, they get baptized, and, and, and it's, you know, you can't take away from them what they are experiencing at the moment. But to give them a little foresight, please understand the enemy is not going to stop attacking you in fact now you have become a target for him to destroy because of what you have just done what you have just experienced so people need to know that especially those that haven't received the holy ghost yet you need to understand you're still going to come up against some things there's still going to be some temptations you know the idea that oh well once i'm baptized you know everything becomes perfect and i never experience any other trouble that is a delusion That is setting yourself up for failure right then and there. Because the first time trouble comes, now you start questioning. And if you're not careful, the enemy will have you doubting what you just experienced. The thief cometh not, but for to what? To steal. So I always believe it's necessary to forewarn them, not to take away from anything and, you know, to, you know, to, to try to bring them down, but make sure they understand. Be prepared. Enjoy what you're feeling, but be prepared. Because the enemy's coming after you. Believe you me, he's already developed a scheme, him and his little buddies, to try to figure out what he can do to steer you away from what the, the path that you're on. 
And it's the same thing for us. You know, he says, take up your cross daily. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, here's the deal, okay? When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you have the option of walking in the Spirit. Man, I'm just all in notes here. Walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh, as Paul puts it, right? Walking in the Spirit does not mean that the flesh will not try to pull you away from God. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean that you won't be tempted to do wrong things. This probably should have been part of putting life back into perspective, but that's the reality. As long as we are living in this flesh, you're going to continue to come up against some things that's going to tempt you and test you. But that is not where the issue lies. For you, the issue lies when you give in or when you give up. Temptation is all around. You can't control that. Those are external factors. And your flesh is drawn to those things because of its own nature, which is totally opposite from the nature of God. That's why you're compelled to do the wrong things. Paul writes in the chap in one of the chapters about that. I believe it's in uh I think it's in Romans. It's in the book of Romans. I can't remember. But he talks about that. He says, What I will to do, I because there's another will working. He's talking about the flesh. The flesh wants to pull me one way, but the spirit is pulling me another. I've got to decide which one I'm going to give into. Which one am I going to follow? That's why he says, walk in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. But it's a daily fight. So you overcame it yesterday. Great. That's why Jesus says, he says, take no thought for tomorrow. He says, sufficient is the evil thereof for today. We live this one day at a time because every day there's something that we got to overcome, I'm sure. As the world gets wickeder, we got to fight harder. Y'all looking at me, I know that's not a word. <laughs> Amen? We got to fight harder. So please don't be under the illusion that, well, because I got the Holy Ghost, man, I'm good, you know. I don't have to do nothing. Don't do anything. You will not make it very far. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus set the example and paved the way of salvation. Look at this. I, I really, I, I like this. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. So here's John the Baptist. He's talking to the multitude, right? And he's giving them a little information. He says, hey... I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Y'all see that, right? What was John's baptism? Unto repentance, right? But he that cometh after me, who was that? Is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Yes, he's talking about Jesus. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly 
purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff in unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. What was John's baptism? Unto repentance, right? Look at what Jesus does. He, he comes to be baptized of him. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, what? Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to do what? Fulfill all righteousness. Here he is paving the way. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Now, the last time I checked, I have, I have yet to find somebody coming up straightway out of a drop of water. Or a couple of drops. Amen? I'm just saying. I'm not, you know. He came straight up out of the water. That would indicate to me that there was a large body of water. He wasn't sitting there sprinkling a little April sour. Amen? I'm just saying what the scriptures say. Y'all with me, right? (laughs) So, straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. This was this. I always read the scripture, and I marvel at this. Because here is Jesus Christ. We know who he is, right? He's God. Right? God in the flesh. That's okay. We'll clarify that too for those who are in question. But he's God. And here it is. He's baptized. So I understand John's position. Really? And I know who you are. You need to be baptizing me. But that's okay. I understand. We're going to do this. Straight out of the water, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. What was, what was descending? you see that, right? Now, was that necessary for Jesus? Who was that for? So, in other words, there was a display, there was an outward symbol given to confirm y'all with me oh y'all okay we're connected we're connected y'all see that right so here it is the spirit descends upon him like a dove lighting upon him lower voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased bam john you're good here's a confirmation right there now First Timothy chapter three, verse 16. I can tell you right now, most of us should know this scripture forward and backwards, especially since Pastor Parker always puts it in his message at least once for every message he preaches, with the exception of the ones that he doesn't put it in. And, and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was what? He was revealed in the flesh, right? What else? Justified in the spirit, okay? 
Seeing of angels, that part always marvels, that makes me marvel too. Preach unto the Gentiles, what else? Uh huh. So this was God all along, right? He paved the way. He didn't need to be baptized. But he did it to fulfill. He, that's what he said, right? The whole spirit descending, that was all just a fulfillment to give people a confirmation that, hey, this is what I set in motion. In other words, guess what, y'all? This is now the enactment of the New Testament, the new covenant between me and the people I'm going to be leading. So... In order to be a true Christian, there must be a divine transformation. If Jesus Christ himself paved the way through this and said this is the way you need to go, right, then we have, we have to go through the same process. Okay? Christian is a follower of Christ, right? We resemble him, right? This begins with repentance. Now, notice I said it begins with repentance. Because guess what? Initially, as a sinner, you repent. You can get reconciled to God. But what happens if you receive the Holy Ghost and you do something you're not supposed to? Does repentance stop there? So we'll talk about that in a minute. About repentance Second Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is dot, 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 not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I put that dot, 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 because there is some verbiage there between the Lord is and not willing. You can see that there, but I wanted to emphasize that part of the scripture. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Luke chapter 15 and 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over 1,000 souls that get the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Did I mess that up? Listen, it's an awesome thing when we can see souls being, you know, lives being changed and people getting the Holy Ghost, so on and so forth. But look at what the scripture says. Heaven rejoices. Look, just <laughs> you take and announce in, a, in most churches, well, we want to thank God because there was, you know, brother so-and-so came in and, you know, his life was messed up, but he changed his life and turned, turned his life around. He repented and he's ready to go on and do the things of God and obey the scripture. You might get some people that rejoice. But look at the difference when you mention something like that and then you mention 1,000 souls received the Holy Ghost. There was a powerful revival and God was moving and woo! It is, right? But why can't we rejoice like that? Over one soul that repents. Heaven does. Amen. 
So, I, I like that scripture. Amen? Because God takes, that's just how serious he is about repentance. Watch this. Second Chronicles 7.14. You want to know what the process of repentance is? Here it is. If my people, which are called by my name, you're associated with me, guess what you got to do? You want to be a Christian? This is what you got to do. Humble themselves, because we got a world full of pride. In fact, all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride. That's why I tell you all before, there is no such thing as good pride. There's no such thing as godly pride. Amen? It's just not there. I'm sorry. I know there's some folks that like to use the term, but the reality is God does not like pride. In fact, he talks against pride. Amen? It's in the scripture. So, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, repentance starts with humility. You know why? If I never feel like I have a problem in the first place, it's probably because I'm full of pride. Which means I never see a need to change. I'm okay the way I am. Those are those folks who justify wrong actions by saying, it's okay. I have a good heart. This is what this is what's said. This is stuff that happens. And unfortunately, this is church folks that when you as a born again believer, when you come to this point and you start trying to justify your actions. If I'm late to church, I feel bad. I feel terrible. Not well, it's okay, man, because I got to drive 40 miles to get here anyway from Toma. And, you know, it just don't make no sense. You know, it's just too much. I'm okay. God knows my heart. If I could beat on time, you know, I'd beat on time. Guess what that is? Pride. That's what that is. It takes humility to go back and say sorry to somebody, right? Say, I apologize. You know, people look at that as weakness. I'm sorry. I apologize. It takes somebody. But you know what? Actually doing that is actually being strong. you got to rise to the occasion to do that. That's living up to something, not living down to something. Amen? Humility is a virtue. It's not a weakness. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Stop going to all these other people. Stop going to all these televangelists, you know, that make you feel good. And, oh, yeah, live long and prosper. And God's going to help you. And it's going to be, you know, all those, all those great messages that they preach about how God's going to give you a car and a big house and get your bank account full and everything else. And you're just feeling real good, ready to send in $10 so you can get a blessing from the Lord. But they didn't tell you how to be saved. They ain't tell you you got to repent and stop doing the mess you're doing. They ain't tell you you got to let go of the world. Y'all all right with this? I'm not bashing. Look, I don't call no names now. 
But this is stuff that I hear, and I sit down, I'm like, Jesus, help us. Because here's the problem. Folks are listening to this. Well, the multitudes that are listening to this, they are not getting the proper message on how to get their lives changed. So they go in life frustrated because they believe this. And while it's the truth, if you're in the right position in life, they miss out because they didn't get everything they were supposed to get. That's where the problem comes in. That's why I talk about it. It's the church. Amen. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall. So I'm not bashing. I'm not trying to be rude. Then nobody knows. Amen. Okay, so let me give you a little background story, and then I'm going to close this up because I know I ain't going to get through the rest of these notes, obviously, today. But when I was growing up, I thank God for my parents. I do. I thank God for the experience that they had. You know, we, we started out in New York. So growing up, even as a child, I understood church. We were there in church. And a lot of things they were taught, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, so on and so forth. And I say teaching, it was more so, this is what you can't do. The problem was, they didn't have an understanding of why not to do those things. So, they only got part of the message. Well, what, what happened? When we left New York, the church that we were in for years... Compromise begin to settle in after a while. Until if I look at, you know, I, rem- I will never forget. I will never forget this. I, um, I went back to visit my, my family. And I, I've, you know, my parents, they were, they were the whole women you wear skirts. You know, in fact, I was in the church where the women wore the beanies. Because they believe you had to have your head covered. This was the apostolic church. So I'm pretty sure a lot of those ladies, that, that was, if, they, if you asked them why they wore beanies, they would explain that they had to have, okay, so y'all should already be understanding, right? Because the script said the women have to have their head covered, okay? Women wear skirts, no makeup, no jewelry. Men don't wear shorts, you know. There's all kinds of stuff that they put out. We didn't wear necklaces. None of that stuff. Well, when we got to Texas, we weren't in church right away because we were trying to find a church. Started church in the home, and then next thing you know, things begin to happen, you know, kind of Sunday, skip some Sundays, so on and so forth. Over the course of time, but I'll never forget when I went back, I had left. I went in the Marine Corps, was overseas, you know, doing my training stuff, came back to visit. And I will never forget the first time I actually saw them. This was with my wife. I saw my mom. We went out shopping because she was going to do some gospel singing concert type thing, whatever. I was like, oh, that's great, you know. And she she had jewelry on. She had earrings on. And so I was like, okay. And she had makeup on. And then she was looking, the stuff she was looking at, it was a dress, but it was not a modest dress. And I just, I was blown away. I, I cannot tell you. Now, I'm just telling you my story. I never seen my parents this way. And when I saw the things that were happening, and the first time I seen my dad in a pair of shorts from years, y'all, 
They call them wife beaters. I don't like the term, but the tank top. Now, most people say, well, that's not a big deal. It was to me because I knew how we was raised. It hit me hard. Wow. I mean, I, I sat there with my wife. We was in Cole's room while we were there, and I was just in tears. I was bawling because I just was, I could not process what just happened. But they didn't have an understanding why not to do. And I'm not telling you, some things you just do because God said do. But the Bible does encourage us in all that getting, get an understanding. Amen? It's important to understand why you do what you do. Because if you don't, you'll be just like Eve in the garden. She didn't understand why. She just knew what God said. The enemy took advantage of that and was able to deceive her. It's easy to be deceived when you don't understand why you do what you do. Amen? Y'all stop looking at me like I'm crazy. This is the truth. We're going to continue next week talking about the power of Christian witnessing. Listen, we're going to take our break. God bless you. I love you. Let's get ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.